The quantum blonde, an intuitive coach and spiritual healer, Lindsay Rose speaks on her road to success by touching on the cycle of abuse that plagued her life. She goes deep into the steps she took to overcome the trials of her journey, which propelled her to step into her true entrepreneurial calling. Remember that time you you texted me and you were like, last night I was levitating. And I was like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> what like, crystals have we been dabbling in? <laughs> oh my gosh, it's funny. Uh, at one point I was telling Mark, my ex-boyfriend, um, about all this stuff and he would be like, what drugs do you take at night before <laughs> bed? Because I would tell him about all these dreams I was having and he's like, that's not normal. I'm like, yeah, I'm traveling in my dreams. I'm astral traveling. I still do. I really believe that. Jesus came to me in my dream the other night, by the way. Really? He did. Tell me about that. It was profound. It was profound. I literally, okay, so Whiskey in my dream, my dog, he was like, mom, I got to show you something. Like he was talking to me and I was like, okay, Whiskey, what, like what's going on? He's like, come here. And then he walked into a room, like a bedroom oh and God. everything was dark. No. And I was like, what, what are we doing? What are you doing? He goes, he like nudged up to the corner of the room and Jesus literally appeared. No in the way. Corner of the room. I have goosebumps. Jesus Stop. himself. We had, he had a golden light coming like yeah. out of his crown. Like yeah. he, he had like a halo of light around him and he was radiating this white light from him. And he was just looking at me and I could feel this intense, unconditional love. Like I've never felt the presence of just, uh, wow. like it was like I was him but I was me still, and I was just feeling his presence, like, go through me. And I felt this power of just, like, him telling me that I was a healer and that I was on the right path and all. I could feel that. And then the second I asked him a question, he disappeared. And I um, asked one of my girlfriends about it because she does a lot of studies around Jesus and right. his, you know, his life here. And she said that Jesus never questioned God. He never questioned anything. He, he was just about being and right. trusting. Right. And the fact that he disappeared when I asked the question yeah. just meant that I haven't fully surrendered to my purpose. Yet. Right. Do you know how proud of you I am? No. Just considering <laughs> from the time that we've met, what was it, two years ago now? Yeah. That crazy. Holy the God. time that we met and you were like anti-Christ. <laughs> I thought, <laughs> thought you were going to go off the deep end there a little bit. <laughs> you and my mother both. I was like, save her, Lord Jesus. Um, the fact that you've come to that cycle in your life, I'm so happy for you because I hope you feel that happiness of being surrounded by God and yeah. Jesus because that's going to take your healing to the next level. Yeah. I mean, he's really shown himself to me in a lot of ways. And I think particularly as soon as I started opening up to my spiritual gifts mm -hmm. and realizing that it's, I'm a healer, but it's not about me. I'm not healing anyone. I'm, sh I'm basically channeling God, you know, right. and it's not about followers, It's not about followers. It's yes. not about me healing anyone. Right. This isn't about my ego. This isn't about me being better than someone else or having any different gifts than someone else. It's about the fact that I've really devoted my life to healing myself so that I can be in a place where I can help people realize the power they have to heal themselves. And so I feel like I'm just, a, you know, a conduit for this to be able to do this. And I'm just so grateful that all the experiences I've had, which we'll talk about, 
have kind of brought me to this place. Yeah, and I absolutely love that. So welcome back, you guys, to an episode of The Boardroom Female. Lindsay Rose has taken me up in an offer to come to the boardroom with me. And I really want to touch on what you've gone through to really show everyone that success is at different scales. Oh, yeah. And so honestly, let's just start with like, where did you grow grow up? And like, what was that like for you? Well, I was born in New York uh, on Long Island. And I lived there till I was about six. And then my mom uh, moved my well, my mom moved me to Florida after meeting someone, and I ended up living in Florida until I was 24, uh, where I spent the bulk of my life, and then moved out to California after I got married um, at 24 years old, and kind of stayed here, and I've been stuck here ever since, because I love it so much, um, but growing up in Florida was, it was an interesting experience, um, particularly for me, because it's an, it was an area of the Bible Belt mm-hmm. where I, around like 10 years old, I had a girlfriend that I met in middle school that was very big into church and her family was really big into church. And so she invited me to go to a youth group with her one day. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I don't know what's going on, but whatever. And so she brings me to this youth group, which was in like a shopping, you know, it was like one of those plaza shopping center malls. Naturally. And yeah. <laughs> Such a great environment. And I'm like, okay. So she brings me to this youth group and I, it was almost like I was captivated. Like it, there was something that felt very familiar to me that I wanted to know more about. Right. Um, and I was very interested in spirituality because I'd always questioned the nature of, of life. Mm -hmm. I'd always thought about, it was weird that even as a kid, I would always think about infinity, right? I would always think about like forever and ever and ever and ever. And it kind of freaked me out because I'd be like, we die. Like, where do we go forever and ever? Like, (laughs) you know what I mean? I I would be so weirded out by it. And then when I started to get into Christianity a little bit, it helped me to piece some things together. But in a way, it was also very toxic um, because I believe like spirituality is beautiful and there are so many different facets to it that are really inspiring and they really um, help a lot of people heal and come to a realization of who they are and, you know, how to love and all of that. But then there's another side of it that can be really shameful and filled with fear and guilt. And so I kind of got trapped in in what I think was like a really unhealthy relationship with spirituality. And that I, di- I digress. <laughs> right. Because I mean, like thinking about living into infinity sounds extremely exhausting, even to me right now. I'm like, what do you mean I have to live on forever yeah. after I die? Because I think even right now I'm developing into what I'm called to do. And until I'm totally hundred percent in that, I'm not going to feel completely fulfilled. Yeah. And right now doing things that aren't feeding my purpose are actually draining me. So I can understand that. Yeah. And so going on with that though, it's almost like you have to go through those experiences. Right. Having yourself lack of drained, lacking purpose, lacking direction, feeling unmotivated to realize like this isn't it. Right. Cause I was, it's kind of like relationships when you're like, Okay, well, I kind of like this guy. Yeah. No, actually, when they say you'll know, you'll know, that's like a real thing. Yeah. <laughs> you'll actually know. Yes. And so, and I guess that's why I started the Boardroom Female, because I was like, 
I'm meant to coach. Yeah. If I'm not coaching, I find no purpose in life. Yes. And even at my current job, I love it. It's teaching me so that I can coach, but it's not where I'm meant to coach. Right. I guess when you were little, where did you see yourself going at that time, though? Gosh, I mean, I had so many different directions. To be honest, I feel like I was always trying to be good enough for my family. Mm -hmm. And I don't think I, I, so I'll go back. I knew I was a healer from a young age. I I didn't know what that meant, but I knew that there was something different about me um, from the time that I started kindergarten, actually. Yeah, your emotional intelligence was just heightened to know it. Yeah. Well, at at six years, five or six years old, I remember my first day of kindergarten, there was a little girl at the bus stop that Mm. was crying and she was afraid to get on the bus. Mm. And it was her first day. And I remember saying, bye, mom. And I went went over and grabbed her hand. And said, don't worry, it'll be fine. You can sit with me. And I I remember at that moment, I remember like it was yesterday. You know how you have You know how that's moments? cute? Because when I first, the first day I met you, I feel like I did the same thing to you. I was like, oh, you can be my friend. Yeah, like you can sit with me. <laughs> and it's just that energy that I had of yeah. not wanting to see other people hurting right. or struggling. And so I think I knew I had this empathic thing about me. I just didn't really know it was a good thing because most of my life I thought it was the worst quality I had had was being empathic and sensitive and emotional. Agreed because society conditioned you to feel that way. Yeah. When actually emotions are strength. Yeah. Yeah. But we're taught to believe the complete opposite. Relationships come out of expressing your emotions. And you and I were both brought up in environments where that was not okay. Yeah. So I tried to go the complete opposite and be more logical. And I thought, you know, I was watching, I have two uh, brothers that are very analytical, uh, very smart. And my stepfather, who my mom ended up marrying is very, very smart. And I was, I always felt like I was the creative one and the more emotional one. And I didn't really, I wanted to impress them. I wanted them to accept me and to like me. So I was like, what career could I get into that they would find valuable? You know, how would I? Oh, the people you know, pleasing already starting. The yes. codependency, people pleasing. Oh. Yeah. Codependent so, no more. Yes. Codependent no more. <laughs> yes. I highly recommend that book. Highly. Um, so I didn't, I, I, I really feel like, and we can get more into this or less into this, but I really feel like because of some of the trauma I experienced as a child, I cut off very early on what I truly was, who I truly was and what I really wanted to do as a person, as a soul. Mm -hmm. And I detached from that and I started to look outward at what other people thought was valuable. Absolutely. And what they wanted me to be. Right. And that's sort of what shaped my direction in terms of career. I always felt a disconnect from school. I felt like all of it was bullshit. I didn't, sorry if I'm not supposed to curse, but no, uh, no, it's fine. They listen to me. Who do you think I I am? Uh, I just thought a lot of it was unnecessary information and yes, I didn't really, I, I was not good at test taking because I would think, I would think about the stars and the moon and the unicorns and like things that were otherworldly. I yeah. just never really got into being into school. Um, although I had aspirations to do things like, you know, be a biologist or pre-pharmacy and like all these things that I thought would bring me. But all of that is very in a 
fictional mythical sense. Cause I understand what you're saying of like, Oh, I had aspirations to be a nurse, but when it comes down to it, the technical portion of it is what we're not interested in. Yeah. What we're interested in is helping people service service. Yes. Totally. Absolutely. The service we yeah. were born to serve. Yeah. And if we're not serving, we find no purpose just in the same sense that if we're not loving, we have no purpose. Exactly. And I think it's really about coming to terms with that and how many times we've been told that that's not right by people who have been damaged themselves. And so removing ourselves from that and moving forward with life, we are now at a place where we're entrepreneurs Yeah. and we're helping others and really shedding light on the fact that this is normal. We're normal. Yeah. You're fucked up. Yeah. Actually. But you have to <laughs> go through the sh- you yeah. have to go through the shit first because it's like this came to me the other day. It was like, you know how they always say when the student is ready, the teacher appears? Mm-hmm. I really feel like it's when the teacher is ready, the student appears. Okay. Because you have to go through the depths of feeling pain and having things fail and feeling detached from the world and being in careers that are unfulfilling for you to realize like, oh no, I need to step into my own power. Right. And you have to figure that out before you can help anyone else get there. Until you step into your power, and I'm experiencing this now, stepping into your true calling, stepping into your power. You won't love the previous process until you step into it. And then you will not love future processes until you figure out what your purpose is. Unfortunately, they say love the process, but if you're in a process that's leading you to an end result that you're not going to love or that's not your true calling, you will continue to hate the process. Yeah. But what I wanted to actually go back to was because you said that you were looking for validation in other areas was, and I know from our personal conversations are your personal relationships and what those looked like going into adulthood. Oh, goodness gracious. <laughs> it was like toxic, toxic, toxic. <laughs> like uh, Over and over and oh over. Gosh. And that's what happens is like we repeat cycles until we learn the lesson. Right. And it started for me at a very young age. Um, my fa- Because my mom moved me to Florida when I was six, I really lost connection with my dad. I mm-hmm. would see him on – you know, during summers or Christmas break, mm-hmm. but I didn't really have that connection with him. And so, and my stepfather, uh, they had two children very quickly after getting married. And so I just kind of felt like the unicorn of the family. I don't really say black sheep because I was just the unicorn. Right. But there was that one video that you said, you're like, there was this home video and yes. you were in the background and you're like, you guys look, Look at me. Yeah. I'm going to I'm gonna go ride my bike out into traffic. Uh, is that cool? I'm just going to, like, get run over? Okay, cool. Bye, guys. <laughs> like, literally. And they weren't hearing you. They weren't hearing you. You're like, hey, look at me. Yeah. And, like, it was on a home video. A home video. Can you imagine being a parent and looking at that home video? Talk about hashtag fail. Yes. My mom watched it back, and she's like, oh, Oh my god, I'm so sorry. <laughs> like, it's cool, you know, and I forget. Now I know why you're fucked up. Yeah, okay, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it makes sense now. Uh, but de- like, I never felt like I was seen or heard or valuable or worthy or deserving. You know, there, uh, I was seeking constantly that external validation of uh, like finding love and being accepted, and it started at 15. I met a boy at my church church youth, youth group who ended up being 18 and I was 15 
and I fell head over heels. Like that was my first love. And he broke up with me for my best friend and ended uh, up marrying her. That is one of the hardest things. Yeah. The small town. Also, when you are less than 18 years old. Yes. So 15, I'm like crushed, oh. right? I'm experiencing my first. I remember I lost like 20 pounds or something. I I was, I was yes. dry the in the first shower. Breakup, the first real breakups. I remember waking up for like two years straight. It was a fucking nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it really gets you. And it's not even right. about the, it's not even about that relationship. It's deeper, you know. It's, yeah, it's the it's the childhood wound that you're reliving. Yes, of that abandonment. You're almost when you're growing up and having like the first few like very loving relationships, you are almost more innocent and more open. Yes, and I actually miss that part of my life when like it was easier to open up to someone because you had never been hurt yeah. before. But now I feel like it's like knock knock, no bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, I love that because it's totally like, true. Like, no, I'm um, sorry, but there's like 10 doors after the first yeah. one. So. You think you're there, but you're not. <laughs> Keep trying. Keep knocking. Yeah. So yeah, I understand that. And yeah. and from our personal conversations, you had said then you got married at 24. Yeah. So you had the heartbreak. Had the heartbreak, got into another what was like a five-year relationship right after that with my high school sweetheart who was incredibly narcissistic and toxic. And bless his heart. Yeah. <laughs> and that was a ringer. Um, and then I left him and then I ended up meeting my ex-husband at 24 and we got engaged after a month and married 11 months later. Explain what he did to get you there though, because there's some significance there of the validation, mm. except it came in material form. Correct? Oh yes. Yes. It, it was he, so he ended up being uh, my boss at a job that I was working at and he was going through a separation at, with his current wife. Now don't judge me. I make better decisions for myself now, but at the time I had no idea what I was doing. I did not I think love myself. every young girl actually does go through that. So I don't want you to feel judged yeah. because this, the boardroom is not where you should feel judged. Yeah. This was not, I mean, not my best decisions, but I needed to make them to become aware of what I was doing. Um, so he was going through a separation. I ended up like, it was weird. I had this dream one night that I was like sleeping with him. And mm. the following week he asked me in one of our meetings, like our one-on-ones, if I wanted to come over and have dinner with him at his house. That's a very interesting one-on-one. I have one-on-ones with my boss now. We don't even touch on <laughs> stuff like that. It's, it's a little bit different now. It's always like, you had an attitude this week, please fix it. Right. But okay, so this is also why I choose to more so have women mentors rather than male mentors. Yeah. Because it always kind of like we're humans. The sexuality does take over. Well, and I was I was looking for love anywhere I could get Absolutely. it. Absolutely. I wasn't even there was no discernment there. I right. was just like somebody love me, you know, like someone <laughs> show me, see me that I'm here <laughs> yep. and I matter and Absolutely. And so um he ended up being very well off and I went over to his house and, you know, I just saw the abundance that he was living in right. and my eyes just got big and starry. And I was like, he could save me, you know, like yeah. he could be the one that the takes me out of this. Prosperity, yeah. yeah. Like yeah. I don't have to struggle anymore. Right. This guy can take care of me. And I had never felt that security 
because I was always, I felt like I was always fighting for that, you know, and working uh, very entry level jobs. And I didn't know how to ask for more money. I was just always in this place of accepting the bare minimum of everything. And so I saw someone that could potentially take me out of that because I didn't know that I could do that myself. I thought I, I had a belief system that was rooted in the man is the one that makes the money mm-hmm. and takes care of you. And he's the provider mm-hmm. and you can't do it. You're, you're always going to be an administrative assistant or you're always going to be a low level something because you're a female. And I had that belief. So this man comes along with his chariot and his white horse and uh, I took the bait. And he kind of just reeled me in with uh, fancy trips and vacations and uh, a really nice ring and the promise of this abundant future. And that's what that's what I was sold on. It it wasn't even really love. Right. And what did that feel like to you at that moment in that period of time when you were getting showered with gifts, when you were going on lavish vacations? What were you actually feeling? What was was worthy? What was in your gut? Oh, though, that that it was not the right person. I knew it was not the right person. I knew this wasn't love. I knew that. um, I knew on some level I was settling. Yeah. And it wasn't genuine. But the fear of not having that opportunity of Mm -hmm. someone to support me. Right. Financially, it overtook. Like it almost didn't matter. The love part kind of went out the door in that sense. And it was more about security and I was like, I'll fall in love with him eventually. Right. So you never like watched a movie and said, wow, I've never felt that type of love. You know, that type of love that they um, show on movies where they're so in love. I believe that to yeah. be true love. I really do. Because I felt that before where I watched a movie and I was like, wow, I'm feeling that for this guy. Yeah. And that's how I knew I was in love. But did you ever look at TV shows and movies and wonder like, Am I ever going to feel that? Or why don't I feel that? All the time. I thought that that my first boyfriend at 15 was probably the closest thing to that. But like you said, it's probably because I was way more open with my heart. You know, I was more Mm -hmm. receptive to that. But Mm -hmm. after having gone through that heartache and then a toxic relationship with someone who physically, verbally, and mentally abused me, Mm -hmm. and then into a relationship that was strictly just about Mm -hmm. security my heart was not anywhere close to being open or receptive to love. Right. It wasn't even about that. And there was no teaching you at that time because who would you have known to reach yeah. out to? I didn't know there was anything wrong. All I knew Absolutely. was I needed to get myself right. in a place of feeling secure. I 100% understand that. I did not know I was growing up in an abusive household until I was probably 10 years old and I went over to my friend's house and hung out at their house for a day. Yeah. I had no idea. How would, how would, how you, would know? you know? There's no contrast for you to. Exactly. You just think it's normal. Yeah. You know, you think that this is the way everybody grows up and that it's okay for these certain things to happen when, you, you know, you get older and you're like, that was really fucked up. Right. You know, like. <laughs> right. But in the same sense, and I've learned to be grateful for it now, and I'm sure you have too. Mm. It's that I would not be. A powerful woman. I would not be the money chaser and the independent woman that I am if I had not been abused as a kid. Now there's other ways that you can create women that way. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but in the same sense, I would not be the same person. And I'm sure that you've done the same type of reflection. A thousand percent. I mean, it took me 
having to work through years of anger and frustration and feeling like a victim and hating God and hating the world and just being in a place of like darkness for a really long time to understand that, no, it was actually a gift. It was a gift. Yeah. Absolutely. And I agree with that. After you went through that, what was the next step for you? After I got married? Yeah. Um, So we got married and then his job transferred out to California. And I, Lucky you. Yeah, which I was on board for. Like I, I, I felt like I that needed was a your change. Gift. Yes. yes. Because my relationship with my mom and my relationship with my stepdad and, and my family in general, which is not a very healthy one at that time in my life. Um, it was very codependent. And in a way I feel like he, that he was the catalyst for me getting over here Mm -hmm. and being able to go through the healing that I needed to go through and the experiences I needed to go through. Cause the thing they say about LA is you come out here, it chews you up. Like you really get to see who you are. True colors out here for sure. Yeah. Transparency. Yeah. At its finest within 48 hours, you will know who's for you and who's not for you. Totally. And it it was all orchestrated and it was all divine. And it, and I look back at it and I was like, wow, there, this was definitely, there was something bigger than me that was planning out all these steps. Uh, cause it didn't always make sense, but now it makes complete sense as to why that was the trajectory of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and can't say it was easy, but now looking back, it's like, I don't, I can't, and I wouldn't change any of it cause I, I wouldn't be who I am. I wouldn't be doing the work that I'm doing had I not experienced that coming out here and then being out here for uh, less than two years and realizing he wasn't the man for me, you know, because like I said, L.A. just sheds a lot of light on right. everything. Did you guys come to that collectively or did he – I couldn't remember if he started doing the same thing to you that he did almost to his ex. He – so I think we were marrying each other in the sense that I needed financial security as much as he, need, he needed security in feeling like – he was attractive oh. or acceptable. And so I feel like... Was he attractive? It, he was a good-looking guy, but I f- almost in a sense, like, he needed to marry very quickly after because oh. he would have he would have lost himself. He oh, would have felt insecure. like he... Okay. Yeah, he was okay. very insecure. So I wouldn't call myself, like, a trophy wife, but I think it was along the lines that we were very much mirroring our own insecurities to each other. I think it's hilarious. I used to aspire to be a trophy wife. Right. And then I realized I had more value for the world. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, I'm not just my body. Oh, crazy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure growing up and being cheerleading, you are you have nothing but men ogling all over you. Yeah, what do you do at that point? Yeah. When you, um, you're 18 and you're in the NFL yeah. and all they – want to do is like nice on social ass, media. Yeah. yeah. And that's literally what they did on social media. What else was I supposed to think that that's what I have been good for up until then. Exactly. That's your value. You're a sexual object. Right. And that was appropriate. No one flagged it. No one reported it. Even when I told my coach that I was being exploited on social media, they did not do anything about it. And mm-hmm. it's just one of those things that you're like, as a woman, you know, why do I need to accept that? Right. We'll be right back after the break. So now then tell me, what was the turning point of your relationship? Oh, so I think it was kind of like a, 
it was like a really one of those relationships where you meet and it's like you're engulfed in flames and passion and like everything is ignited and you feel like you're on cloud nine and you're like, this is amazing. And this is the one it's awesome. And then all of a sudden that fire just slowly starts to go away and you start to see it for what it really is. And I think that happened for me pretty quickly. Like I said, after we moved out here to California, I started to realize that he had tendencies that were not very healthy. Um, And I started to just lose that connection with him. I just didn't feel like, again, like he was the right person for me. And so we ended up working together uh, at Live Nation. And when we moved out here, we would literally drive into work together. We would work on the same floor of the building and we would drive home together and we were home. Like it was a lot of time together, like one-on-one time. And I think like for me, um, I felt like I didn't have my own sense of self. Right. I felt like I was just entirely dependent on him. Uh, I was very codependent emotionally on him for everything. Physically, I was afraid to drive to work by myself. How did you even realize that you didn't have a sense of self? Who was showing you that? What was what was being shown to you at that time? Uh, was it somebody at work? It was no, I think I was just going through like a mental turmoil in my in my okay. own head where I felt like I'm very reliant on this person. Mm. I I don't even know what my hobbies are. Okay. I don't know what interests me. Like I had just started getting into working out. Okay. And and starting to change my physical body cuz I didn't I had a really unhealthy relationship with my body for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um and I had a history of anorexia and everything. So when I got married and I felt the stability, I felt a little more at a place where I could start really thinking about what did matter to me in a way. Um, and in our, when we moved out to California, I started working out. I started, you know, going for runs and I found an exercise program that I was interested in doing at home. My body started to change. And then I started to feel like, oh, I do have some personal power here. Yeah, like, the confidence from the body was yes. coming into the mind and you your emotional intelligence was growing. Yeah. Even you didn't need to be shown that there's different your body intuitively knew. Yeah. That's yeah. Great. I intuitively knew that was something that I was interested and fascinated by. So what ended up happening is I could not do the drive to Live Nation anymore. Like it was an hour and a half commute one way. Uh, and even though I was with my ex-husband, being in the car with him was equally like as irritating after a while. Uh, yeah. You when know? you can't spend time with somebody anymore, like it's time to cut it I'm the like, fuck off. Uh, we got, we went to lengths of like trying to learn Norwegian Like, Like, I don't even know where that came Were from. Were we on like doing the Rosetta Stone? Yes. The Rosetta- oh my God. <laughs> Can I tell you I've done the same thing with somebody else? Like. <laughs> Like, when your relationship gets to the point where you guys are learning a foreign language in the car, can you please reevaluate? <laughs> please. That's a red flag. <laughs> that is a red flag. Um, so, yes, we. it just was exhausted. I was just it done. I was losing my sense of purpose. I was really exhausted. The job I was in was in a marketing uh, field, and I was really unfulfilled. Not yeah, happy. what were you doing at Live Nation at that point? I was doing CRM, email marketing for them. Okay. So is that what I'm doing now, basically? Yes. Okay. Yeah. In my day job, guys, I yes. do CRM. Yes. Okay. Got it. 
Um, so I was doing CRM for them. And so what happened is that we had a house back in Florida okay. that wasn't selling. It had been on the market for a while Shit. and it wasn't selling. So the only option we had was to go back and try to sell the house and fix it up. So <laughs> my ex-husband was able to uh, to go work remotely from Florida, but okay. they wouldn't allow me to keep my job and work remotely. So I just ended up having to quit. Look at that shit. That's so I had to sexism. quit my job. Yeah, which is crazy. I had to quit my job. He gets to keep his, and we have to go back to Florida to sell our house. And this is not a reflection on Live Nation as a whole. Just putting that in there. No, it's not. But just but thinking of the industry and the sexism that goes on. Of like, and his position was obviously more value that, valuable than I mine. guess. But at the same time, you either value someone or you don't. And I do strongly feel like there was some gender. Oh, yes. Gender things going on there. Yes, yes for sure. Uh, so we go back and while we're in the process of selling our house, I decided I was going to get my personal training certification and I was going to do something for me. Wow. And I spent that whole time in Florida studying and ended up passing the tests and became a personal trainer. You're incredible. And that was the first thing where I was like, that's awesome. This is for me. Okay, so you actually enjoyed it. You didn't just do it because you're like, I see a path here. I need to make money. Okay. Like I need to make money. I need to climb this corporate ladder. I need to feel valuable because I have a title at a prestigious company. You that know, was that a, was... That was not the path for no, you. No, that was not the path. Although I thought that by having a title at a prestigious company, it would give me fulfillment and make me happy mm-hmm. and add value to who I thought I was, but it absolutely did the opposite. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was really unfulfilled. So I, I go into my personal training certification and we sell the house and we move back to California. <sighs> so I decide then to go be a personal trainer at, at one of the gyms by our house and, and he continued on at Live Nation And as I was developing into who I was and found a career that was fulfilling for me, it gave me even more clarity and introspection into my relationship and realizing that he only was serving a a purpose of safety and security for me, but not love. And how old were you at this time? Uh, So it was probably between 26 and 27. Yeah, about 26 at the time. Okay, lots of growth there. And a lot of people are married and have kids by then. So there's a lot of growth and everybody's path is different. But also why our parents have continually told us like, do not get married until you are 100% ready. Yes, please do not. I mean, do it because it may be good for your growth. but Maybe perfect for some people, but a lot of people we develop a lot slower than we used to. Yeah. Yep. I would not recommend. I mean, still sometimes I question if I'm ready for marriage, like at this level, you know, it just, to me, you don't make that commitment to someone until you love yourself fully. Absolutely. You know, and, and I've that's heard that process. time and time again, because how they say like, you're not supposed to enter into a relationship like, Hey, what can I get out of this? It's what can I contribute? Yeah. And that's how I know I'm ready because I'm ready to contribute to somebody, to invest in someone, regardless of what they can give me back and without bitterness and resentment. Yes, because it's not about finding your other half. 
Yeah. It's about being whole in who you are. Absolutely. And finding an equal counterpart mm-hmm. that can match you. And that's equal. Not yes. Equal. Equal partnership. That's so important. Yes. Otherwise, you'll be stressed the fuck out. Because here's what happens. If you're an incomplete being who doesn't love themselves mm-hmm. and you're constantly looking for validation, right. you're going to find someone that's going to mirror back to you exactly at the level you don't love yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's what happens when we get into codependent narcissistic relationships or relationships that aren't healthy. Because if you don't love yourself, the person that you're with is going to reflect that right back to you. Absolutely. Yeah. And so you were then at the Bay Club developing and really doing some self-reflection and taking a deep dive look into your relationship. What step did you take next? Well, I decided that – well, actually – to digress, I met another guy. This was like as I was going through. <laughs> we're just leaning. We're leaning on men now. <laughs> we're, we're leaning on, yeah, no, but this was part of that cycle, you know? It's right. part of the cycle of really understanding myself. And so what needed to happen for the, for me at that point in my life, which I now look back at and realize was part of a pattern, that I didn't have the strength or the courage or the integrity at that point in my life to leave a relationship without starting another one. And I knew that about, I didn't know that about myself until after the fact, when I really had the time to analyze why right. I was doing this. You went back to back to back to back. Where did you yeah. have time to do self-reflection and development? Nowhere. I was afraid of being alone because right. I didn't know what I was going to find. Right. And so I, I would get into relationship after relationship after relationship. And so I ended up meeting someone at the gym and deciding that I wanted to get out of my marriage and pursue this other person that I met at the gym. Yeah. Cause at that point, if you're in a marriage and you know, they say like temptation is, is of all evil and I get it. But if you are truly like in a happy marriage, you will not be pursuing or looking at other people. And if you are, then that is a clear indicator that one, you either need to work on your marriage or you need to call it quits. Well, I, I again, I didn't love myself. Right. I was just still looking for someone to love me. And it didn't matter who that person was in my life, who that male was in my life. I was still harboring resentment and anger towards my father. I did not love myself. I had been in abusive relationships that made me feel unworthy and undeserving of love. So I never really had the capacity to genuinely emotionally connect with someone. And I want to touch on the fact that that's actually extremely normal. The fact that like, There are tons of women out there going through abusive relationships, coming out of these abusive relationships, feeling unworthy. That is more normal than we think. Yeah. It shouldn't be normal. Yeah. But it's so much a part of the way that women are growing up now. And even myself has experienced it. Yeah. And just not understanding it. But I don't want people to feel alone in the fact that like, actually more women than you think are going through this. These women on Facebook that have married their high school sweethearts and they have not had any of those types of issues. Okay. Applaud them. That's great. But also like understand that their growth is not going to be as great as yours. Yeah. Or they could be growing in other areas in that are strengths. Other in areas. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And yeah. not to discredit them either. And that was not my intent at all. It's really understanding that like you guys are growing in different directions, but you will gain something out of being in those toxic situations. Yeah. And to never be ashamed. You know, I lived so much 
of my life, being ashamed of all the decisions right. that I had made, all of the people's lives that I right. compromised and hurt yep. because of my own hurt. Go where you're celebrated, not tolerated. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. I just like, I fully believe in the, the phrase that hurt people hurt people. Yeah. And it's not until you realize that, you know, you, you're actually the one that's hurting inside and this, all these things that are coming into your life feel like they're hurting you, right. but it's you hurting you. Yes. Because you know? I definitely feel like I've gotten way better at healing because even the people that have hurt me the most in the past one to two years, I would not do them the same way. Yeah. It's like, you can get to that level of compassion and forgiveness and then all I think that. you're on a good path, yeah, right? It's freeing, you know, exactly. it's really freeing, but it takes that you almost have to have the wound. Like you have to experience this. You have to go through these things in your life to the point of spiritual awakening. Absolutely. You know? And that's exactly why you're on your path now. Yeah. So as you were leaning on this next guy, can you kind of touch on how toxic it was? Go, go deep into that. Oh, it was horrific. It was the worst experience of my life. I couldn't even uh, imagine what was coming. You know, I thought going through a divorce was really hard, which it was. It was very challenging, um, especially having been a personal trainer and leaving my my steady job that was giving me health benefits and everything and entering into kind of like being an entrepreneur and having to make my own, not making enough money, getting a divorce from someone who was financially supporting me, right. living in fear of how I was going to pay my paycheck and be able to rent a place out here, being a personal trainer. Yes. You know, it was like all of that. And then I meet this person who I'm like feeling all these intense emotions for. And I compromise everything about myself for this person um, who ended up being a direct reflection of how toxic I allowed myself and my life to become at that point and how low things really were. Uh, it's I, really deep. It was, it was hard. It was really hard because I, you know, he, he physically, he verbally, he mentally abused me in ways that, uh, I, I didn't even think I would allow someone to do to me. He was you know? very invasive. Very invasive. Yeah. He, uh, he would get really, really drunk. And, and from now looking back at it, he was drunk all the time, basically. Yeah. Um, and he would force sex on me. He would, he would put drugs in my drink so that I, you know, I didn't even know, but I was being drugged. And I was having like weird hallucination things going on because he was drugging me and I would agree to do things and compromise my body because I was not in the right headspace. Right. Um, You're wanting acceptance. It's all I wanted. And the thing is, is like he was the amalgamation of every relationship and every man that had ever been in my life. It was as if I took all of them from my, uh, I haven't, you know, I had an abusive brother uh, that was very, very emotionally unavailable. I had a father who was emotionally unavailable and distant. And then I had all these relationships that were really toxic. And it's almost like all of that came together in one for this like massive punch in the face. Right. To wake you up. Yeah. And it, and I hit, I hit the ground. I, did everything I, I would have crawled through broken glass for this man to just say, I love you and I accept you right. and I want you. And I would have given up my soul to the devil to have that in a way. I really feel like I did. Yeah. You know? um, yeah. It's almost like there is codependent love there, but you were really in love because oh that was 
at that point, the depth at which you could love. Yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah, I was, I was searching, I was wanting so hard, so, so deeply for this to work out. And he rejected me like left and right. And then I ended up finding out that he was seeing multiple women. I would see him out with other women, literally with other women having dinner with them. And I would go back to him right after that, like literally like the next day. And would beg him to want to be in a relationship with me and, and ask him like why. And I remember, cause I, I would have these conversations with my brother as a child asking him why he didn't love me. Right. Why he didn't accept me. And it was as if I was looking at my brother, but in, in this man in a relationship asking him why he didn't love me. I definitely feel like I've had that conversation myself many times. Yeah. And it really comes down to the man. Yeah. It comes down to both parties not loving themselves, but then trying to make things work. Yeah. So once again, although you were developing into what you were truly called for as an entrepreneur, it just, how many times do we have to say you have to be a whole person in order to love somebody properly? Yeah. And I, at this time I had no idea. I, I mean, I was 27 years old. 28 years old. I had no idea what narcissism was. I didn't know what codependency no was. No one talked about it. I just, Everything in the 90s was hush-hush and into the early 2000s. Like, yeah. No one wanted to talk about anything. I, had, I did not understand what was going on in the turmoil within me. I had no idea that I – I mean, I knew I didn't – I had a lot of trauma in my life. But to be quite honest, I didn't have any recollection or a whole lot of memories of my childhood. And I certainly didn't know how to heal from them. I had no idea how to heal any of it. Um, but all I knew was that if I continued to stay in this relationship with this man, I would probably die. You know, at right. some level, I, I would have died. Or I don't know. Like, I, I can't even fathom what would have happened to me. Absolutely. Um, and by the grace of God, I ended up meeting someone one day, this woman, uh, while I was out walking and I saw her dog and I, I st- sat down with her and I started petting her dog and we started talking and she invited me for coffee because we just kind of hit it off and we started talking. And for some reason I shared what I was going through with her because I hadn't told anyone I was in this abusive relationship. And so I started telling her what was going on. She was like, honey, you need to get out now. You're like, you need to get out. And by the grace of God, I found a way, like I I took like whatever ounce I could of just faith inside of me. And I packed all of my things up one day and I left his house and I blocked him everywhere. You know, she was telling me, she's like, you need to block him. Like you can't, you have to leave. You got to block him. You have to move on with your life because he will come back and he, you know, he will continue to do this to you. And you have to start setting boundaries for yourself and learning to love yourself and you've got to heal. And that was the beginning of my spiritual awakening. Yeah, because he did come back. And I'm so impressed that you took her advice and got yourself out. I I think one of the, my biggest downfalls dating people is that I'm afraid to leave them even if I don't love them. Yeah. So that is so brave and courageous of you. And like even just me like speaking to you about it, that makes me extremely emotional because I understand how hard that is. It was tough. And and the thing is that I think that's what's really propelled my my work and what I do now is that I don't want anyone to have to go through that. 
Like, I don't want anyone to feel like they're stuck with someone who devalues them and who treats them like shit and abuses them and talks down to them. Um, you know, there, there's a different way out. There's a way out of that. There's a way out of being in those situations and those toxic relationships. Uh, so, yeah. And there's just, there's more to life than that. So talk to me about the direction you went after that career wise. So I was working, so I was working as a personal trainer and just, I had this epiphany where I was like, I can't make enough money doing this. You know, I didn't believe fully in myself or my abilities at that time. I was obviously struggling very deeply with self-worth and feeling deserving. So I decided to go back into corporate, um, so that I could support myself and kind of took another marketing position, which is where I ended up meeting you, yeah, um, which I'm very grateful for. You know, the universe <laughs> brings us what we need. And- we were like blonde twins bobbing around the office. Like, <laughs> yeah. who were we really? Everybody was like, are they family? Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> They're very alike. Half the time we were like yelling at each other. It was truly like sister-sister yeah, going like on there. Um, <laughs> yeah. So like during that time, um, you know, going back into corporate, I was diving into spirituality and really understanding myself and who I was and what I needed and what I wanted and the truth of what was really going on internally within me, um, why I was hurting. And during this experience, as I was learning all these things about the universe and, and being able to create my own reality and experience the life I want to live... I became increasingly more unsettled being in a corporate position. Right. And it just, I felt so unbelievably unfulfilled. I knew that there was something more for me um, than just sitting at a desk doing things that felt really robotic, robotic, honestly, pointless. Right. It's almost like you being in school again. And I I remember being very, very like tough love and like frustrated with you because my calling at that time was to be, at the desk to figure out the corporate life yeah. and yours, as I looked at you as a mentor, but yours was to leave the corporate world. And I was like, ah, yeah. you know, like reaching and like, like tug don't of war. you see what you have? Yeah, yeah. It was like total tug of war, like spiritual tug of war, just like morally. It was just yeah. not, it wasn't right for yeah. either of us. And, and you just, you stepped into your true calling willingly. Like I kept telling you, take the leap of faith if you want it then. Yeah. You're just like, just go do it. Stop talking about it. <laughs> but like I was, I could feel like, and I don't know if, if you guys can relate to this, but when you have this calling on your heart for something bigger than you, yes. you almost can't, like it eats at you until you're like, fine. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. I'll like, do okay. it now then. Yeah. And it just kept coming to me like, nope, this is it. And, and it, I got so unsettled and so restless that I was like, I have to get like, it was like a compulsive thing. Yeah, I know. Like you an know? exorcism needed to happen. It I really was. was. I was like, I need to rip the yeah, your, your body and you're doing this like body language of like getting something off of your shoulders because that's how it feels. That's yeah. how corporate feels to entrepreneurs. Yeah. Heavy. Heavy. Restrictive. Yes. Very nine to five 
very structured military based type of thing. Yeah. And so many entrepreneurs have told me that they were like, I don't know why I ever went because it was eating me alive. And it's true. It really is true. I mean, that's the feeling. The best I could put it was like, I just, it ate, it literally was eating me inside. And, um, I decided to kind of figure out what my action plan was and I didn't know what it was going to look like, but I knew that I wanted to serve and I knew that I wanted to help people. And so I had gone through this healing journey and really doing all this work around healing and child childhood wounds and inner, you know, doing the inner child work and figuring out how to do this. And then I decided that I was going to jump and hire a business coach Amazing. and I was going to figure it out. And I was going to make it work because I could not say no to it anymore. Right. And hiring a business coach is actually like, that's a really great idea. It's it's ultimately a mentor at a higher level. Yeah. And I preached about this in my first episode of the boardroom female is like mentorship is a real thing. You guys, if you want to get to that next level, sometimes you got to pay for it. Yeah. And that comes in different ways, whether it's paying your dues, paying straight up money or just putting the work in. Yeah. I fortunately was able to find an investor and someone that was like, that, that believed in me. Right. Um, and was like, you know, I really see this, this is your, this is your mission. Like I can feel mm-hmm. your passion behind this. I can really feel that this is your purpose Right. and ended up helping support me uh, and getting business coaching, which I'm so grateful for. But the universe, when we follow our passions and our purpose, you're always provided for. And it doesn't always look the same way everyone else. Absolutely. That's has important. It. Yes. You know, it's yes. Like it could come in the form of a family member supporting right. you or a friend, or maybe you end up getting a credit card offer in the mail that you're able to put money on and make right. payments. No interest for 15 months. Get your business started. There's no excuse. Yes. You know, if it's really fully your passion and, and the way I always tell people that it's your passion is if it lights you up when you think about it. Yeah. And if it's a true expression of who you are, Mm -hmm. like really who you are, not who someone wants you to be, but if it's a true expression of who you are, you're going to be supported. Like the path is just going to kind of light up. Absolutely. So I guess my question for you, Lindsay would be what advice do you have for women that are lacking confidence in the industry right now? I would say break it down into small pieces because When you set a small goal for yourself and you achieve it, that's how you build self-confidence. So it can look overwhelming when you're starting to jump into the entrepreneur world. It looks like you have all these things you need to get done. And how am I going to make all these things happen? And I don't know if I can do it. But what you can do every day is one thing. And if you can just make that that small little step for yourself every day. Buy the website. Whatever it is. Trademark your brand. Yeah. Just the little teeny tiny things that are going in the direction of your goal. Yep. It's going to build that confidence in you every time you hit those little goals. You don't plan for a six-figure business on day one. Exactly. It's it's a process. And, And to trust that, you know, and to... Give yourself credit when credit is due. When you hit a right. goal, when you stand up and you make, you have a task and you complete it, give yourself credit. Pat yourself on the back. Be your your cheerleader. You know, be your number one fan right. for yourself as you're going through this process. Absolutely. So, give the world something to remember. And what is a quantum blonde quote Ooh. that they can take away? I would say the number one thing is really in all of this is that if you don't believe you deserve it, you're never going to take action in the direction of your dreams. So Amen. start within, start building the confidence in yourself. Start really 
doing the work to love yourself, to value yourself, to find what things excite you, what hobbies excite you, uh, write out lists about yourself of all the amazing qualities and attributes that you have and know innately just because you are a human being here living and existing on this planet that you are worthy of every single one of your dreams and aspirations and don't ever let that slip by the wayside amen well thank you so much thank you you've been such a blessing today i hope many people listen to this they heal from it they take action from it and you've been a prime example of all of those things today so thank, thank you. you so much